Welcome to the Salt Twin Cities podcast, a podcast that is seeking to equip college students to grow in their walk with Jesus 10 minutes at a time. What's up, Salt Company, Twin Cities podcast listeners? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Salt Twin Cities podcast. I'm pumped for this week because we have the Jordan Adams joining us. Jordan, how are we doing? That was such a fancy intro to this podcast. You guys have gotten it so much more on the rails since I left. You got Isaac doing voiceovers. That was so yeah. fancy. Yeah, I we've never said that. Isaac is the one that is the intro vocal, you know, speak over. I don't know what it's called, but that is Isaac. The intro vocal speak over. <laughs> what, okay, I, whatever. <laughs> he just he has such a great he has a great talking he does. voice. He has a great he singing does. voice, but a great talking voice too. So you know you got to use use great talking voices when you can. When you can. Um. All right, Jordan. So here's what's so fun fact. Jordan was the Saul Company director when I was in Saul Company. This juniors and seniors, I think, know you as the Saul Company director, but freshmen and sophomores. Just know you as Jordan, the guy that works for Salt City. Nobody knows who I am anymore. It's fine. <laughs> but Jordan, we want to take a second and first share a little bit about your family. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it open-ended. Share a little bit about your family. Cool. I uh, married to Jessamy. We've been married 10 years now, which is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, we, we got married when we were in college. So got married young. Super fun. And uh, I have a three-year-old Graham who is a hilarious human being. And Find uh, Graham at church. I mean, he's amazing. Just, it'll make your life better. <laughs> it will. That's true. He's going to be freaked out by you the first couple times you talk to him. But if you work your way in, he'll run up to you and give you a hug and it'll change your life. Um, and then Joy is seven months old and she's living up to her name. She's delightful. She uh, She's not old enough to rebel yet, so she's mm. just fun and when i come home she just smiles and life is great that's amazing and yeah. graham is really in we were just talking about this before recording started really into trains tractors and really wants you to get the right tractor sound yeah i haven't i apparently my apparently my tractor sound is too much like my train sound and he gets genuinely upset at me and i i'm trying to work on it because it's frustrating him, and I don't, I don't know what to do. He takes he takes his vehicles or modes of transportation seriously. I think he knows more about cars than I do. He, <laughs> the dude, loves his cars. We've got a train that goes through our backyard, and he still runs over to our window and like pounds on it and tells me a train's coming. And yeah, he's crazy about it. Oh, uh, uh, that's awesome. All right, Jordan, transitioning away from your family, uh, you spent a long time in Soul Company, which is really fun. Share a little bit of, I know this is a lot to share in just a couple minutes, but kind of your God story slash how you got plugged in with Salt Company. How did you end up here in Minneapolis with Salt City? I know it's a lot, but kind of mm. quick summary flyover over the last, like, I don't know, 15 years of your life or whatever it's been. <laughs> yeah, just in, you know, <laughs> one or two minutes. No big deal. Uh, yeah, I met Jesus late in high school. I had grown up around the church, but uh, became a Christian late in high school Actually, through some hard of my life, my dad uh, passed away my junior year, and it was that night that I met Jesus. Um, 
which was actually on the the U of M campus, which we'll kind of circle back to on how I ended up up here. That was a part of that. But um, yeah, so met Jesus, had no idea how to follow him, went to Salt Company uh, as a senior in high school. My youth pastor took me there and said, hey, I want you to potentially check this out in college. And I was freaked out, but also compelled, freaked out by like people are raising their hands in worship and stuff that I thought was weird. Um, but also really wanted to be a part of it. So went to college for the most part to get involved with salt company and learn how to follow Jesus there. So, uh, went through, uh, the leadership ministry and, uh, went overseas a couple times through salt company, had a bunch of people invest in my life. And I mean, learned so much of what I know about Jesus through, this ministry. So that's why it's been so cool to get to be on the other end of that and seeing God transform lives. Cause he, he changed mine through it. Um, and then after I graduated, jumped on staff and did everything from working with our leaders to freshman ministry, all kinds of stuff. And then, um, Drew Stevenson called me and asked me if we wanted to come up to, to Minneapolis with him, he was planting a church and wanted me to come up and uh, be the salt director in Minneapolis and, and we didn't think we were going to leave where we were, but, uh, something felt really different about that. Partially I loved Drew and had a lot of relationship with him, but, um, part of that also was just how it seemed like God had worked into my God story, this connection up here that, that felt like him. And, and I just had been so changed by this thing that I wanted other people to meet Jesus. And so, I remember praying that college students would meet Jesus and be baptized before we ever came up here and have gotten to watch that happen. So my wife and I moved up here and helped start Salt Company about four years ago now and uh, led Salt Company for a couple of years and then transitioned over to uh, um, the teaching pastor now at Salt City. And yeah, this summer is going to be five years in Minnesota. Is that true? I think that is. 20, 27, summer or spring of 2017. To spring of when we 2020, too. So crazy! Wow, five years. You're tr- you're a true Minnesotan at this point. Oh, you bet. Embracing it. Let's I'm go. I'm going outside in the winter now, which I didn't used to do before. It's a very Minnesotan thing. It you is. know, it's, hey, that's great. I got Minnesota gear, you know, so I'm I'm all in. <laughs> you you shovel your driveway. You don't scoop snow. You know that whatever that garbage that Iowans say. <laughs> Is that Iowa garbage? I didn't I know, know about that. I don't shovel. Know. Yeah, I don't think I. I don't think I scoop snow. I shovel it. Yeah, great. Yeah. That's okay. good. Okay. Okay. That's All good. Right. Um, okay, you've maybe partially answered this question really quickly, but what's one thing you've seen God do, whether it's Salt Company, Salt City, like since you've planted Salt City Church, what's one of your favorite things you've you've gotten to see mm-hmm. God do? Yeah, I mean. It's hard to describe what it's like to think about planning a church and to pray for people that you don't know yet. So just that, like this whole church was just a theory. It was just a concept in our brains. And I remember walking around the Twin Cities and walking around campus before this existed. And I I remember like the specific spot in the middle of campus where Drew and I started praying that we would get to see students like meet Jesus and be baptized. And yeah, to see that happen. Um, it's like BWP 
baptism worship, whatever it is now, uh, has become one of my favorite parts of being up here. And uh, I think like seeing this process of like I, I sit there on Sunday mornings and watch people walk through the doors of church that didn't know Jesus before we came up here and that I didn't know that I've gotten to see them meet Jesus, get discipled, start serving, go through Salt Company, and then jump into Salt City. And so it's been incredible to watch that transformation. So I think it's just the stories of individual people that I didn't know, but was trying to pray for that. Now I have friends and people that I love that I've gotten to watch God change everything about their life. Ah, praise God. That's awesome. That gets me fired up. Um, okay. So as you guys know, from the title of this podcast, we're talking rule of life. We're going back to rule of life. So this is something we talked about, um, in some podcasts first semester. So if you, if you're kind of new to the podcast, don't know what rule of life is, go back. We have kind of an intro to rule of life and we've done a few episodes on the Bible, prayer, uh, rest, but want to, I wanted to bring Jordan in to, for, uh, one of the rule of life episodes, because you've, you've been practicing rule of life, at least in some capacity for a while now. Um, and you're kind of the salt city rule of life expert, I would say. (laughs) Yeah. Expert. (laughs) Um, but, before we jump in specifically to parenting technology, what, yeah, why should people care about rule of life, Jordan? What, what's it meant to you? What, give us kind of your one minute pitch, yeah. if you would. So, I mean, I think the reason I've been pushing this, so I'm kind of the one pushing all of this, guys. All right. So, if you don't like this, it's, it's my fault, I guess. Um, it is because it, it's radically changed my life and my walk with Jesus. And, this isn't just like a little piece of paper that you write some stuff down. It's a, it's a way of thinking about what it means to be Christian and what it means to live life well. And for me, it's been like completely transformative. So uh, I think, I think it's James clear that said uh, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your habits. Mm. And so it doesn't really matter what you say about how you want to follow Jesus or what you want to do in your life. If it's not translating into repeatable actions. Um, And so what I'm, what I'm after in life, I think, I think knowing God is the best life imaginable. And I think it's what everyone wants in life. And I think the only way that we can grow to knowing God or the primary way that we can grow to knowing God by his help is through implementing habits. So I love this idea that I can make a decision today to implement a habit in my life and to repeat it and it will change the person that I am in five years. Mm. There's not a piece of content that I can hear that sort of will magically change me five years from now, but I can implement a habit that will transform my future self. And so I want to get to the end of my life and be the type of person who knows how to walk with God. And the only way that I can impact that person now is through the habits that I'm implementing now. So uh, I I think the answer is I want you to live an amazing life. And this is the primary way that I know to do it. That's awesome. So if you guys want more rule of life information in general, go to saltcitychurch.com slash rule dash of dash life. And there's a packet. There's this sheet of paper that Jordan's talking about 
has it on there. Uh, but but today's episode, we're talking specifically about parenting technology. Um, man, technology is all around us, Jordan. What what are ways that technology is shaping us that maybe we don't even realize? Whether that's social media or just constant emails, text messages, kind of take that whatever direction you want. But how, yeah, just from your kind of pastoral experience, how are you seeing technology shape college students, but people in general? Yeah, so it's not it's not possible to not be formed by something. So you're being shaped by uh your inputs constantly. And so technology, whether you realize it or not, is forming you into the type of person that uh, you're going to become. And as far as how it's forming you, uh, it, it's forming you uh, psychologically in that it it's sort of, when you're constantly inputting what's coming at you through technology, your your mind and therefore your beliefs and your behaviors are shaped by that technology. And this is this is biblical language over and over again. The Bible talks about setting your mind on Christ. Uh, Colossians 3 is the primary verse on this. And so what you set your mind on transforms how you live and what you believe. And so when you allow technology unfiltered to enter your mind, it's forming your mind towards something and often things that are are not God. So it's it's forming your mind, but it's it's forming your loves. So ultimately we live towards and worship what we love and what we enjoy. And so technology is teaching the the heart and the soul what to draw its attention to. And the more you spend time drawing your attention to something, um, the more you tend to worship and love that thing. And so it's actually shaping the things that you're passionate about, shaping the things that you love and that you orient your life towards. There's even a, a physiological reality to what technology is doing to us. I, I mean, I look, I've read like a couple things on neuroscience. I don't actually know anything about this. But uh, the reality is, is uh, so many of our, of our inputs are physically changing our brains and creating physical neuropathways that change our behavior. And so repetition of different forms of technology physically changes your brain and transforms your behavior. So it's shaping pretty much all of your life and it will do that whether you're paying attention to it or not. That's super helpful. So Jordan, I want to take a second and just put a microscope on social media because social media is one of a lot of our, a lot of college students are on social media and use it frequently. And it's one of those things that it's fueling comparison. It's fueling just longing for other things, whether that's lust or um, a longing for more adventure, more whatever. And that's damaging to our mental health, right? Of just like always being in a state of being discontent. You shared with me a little while back, something you'd read about kind of the, the correlation between social media and mental health. Would you share that and maybe just unpack for a second why that core why why you think uh, that correlation exists yeah so let me let me just preface this briefly with if what you're feeling right now is like okay some more ragging on social media this old dude is going to talk to me about social media okay i i get that i i want you to know my intention i want you to have the the best life 
that you can have in Christ. And I think our, our goal with things like rule of life and sort of investigating what's going on in the world and in culture and in technology is to funnel through those things and say, how can I optimize my life to know and love Jesus? Because that's the, the best thing, right? So, so that's, that's the heart as well as I think culture, I think I'm seeing more and more people realizing some of the damaging effects of social media. And I think people are longing for some help and some alternatives with this. And I think we should speak into that as Christians. Okay. All of that. Now, what, what I read <clears throat> from what I remember of it, there's some studies that are coming out that are saying that uh, simply removing social media entirely from someone's life has roughly the same net effect as that person seeing a therapist weekly. Uh, we don't know the implications of that. The, the research is still pretty new on social media, but let me just give you my instincts on why that is. If, if I were to design a system to universally create comparison, um, greed, and anxiety, I don't know if I could design a better system than social media. Uh, it's this, this constant input that's telling you that uh, you need to compare your life to someone else's life. And by the way, it's not actually their life. It's a, a fake best version of someone else's life um, that you need to compare yourself to someone else's life and that you need to live in this sort of virtual universe that is carefully curated by the other people in your life and by um, marketers who are vying for your attention and your devotion. And uh, that's why I think it creates this, this, it breeds this kind of discontentment and this disillusionment. Um, as far as anxiety, I think there's a lot of reasons why it can cause um, anxiety, but I think it fuels our desire to escape from real life and learning how to be with God in the moment of our fear or our hurt or our pain or whatever is going on and to escape into a fake and virtual world that we hope will bring us rest and relief. Um, but ultimately only Jesus can bring that and it tends to perpetuate what was already going on in our, in our minds and our hearts. Mm, it just distracts us from the present reality. We're pushing it, we're stuffing it, but not getting rid of it. Yeah. So we've now spent some time talking technology in general, the effects technology is having on us. Yeah. Just like what are, where our influences are coming from now talking rule of life. How do we go from, man, we see what technology is doing around us and implementing it into our rule of life. So I guess my question for you, Jordan is how have you implemented this idea of parenting technology of letting, of us deciding what, how we use our technology, not letting our technology rule us. How have you implemented that? Or what are just tips or practical advice you have for college students implementing this idea of parenting their technology? Yeah, so here, here's the, the baseline idea that we're trying to get at with this is that following Jesus is something that requires space and thought and contemplation. So the Bible is meditation literature, meaning you can't get it 
in like a quick snippet. It's something that you have to devote your life to and that you need to meditate and process on throughout your life. And prayer is an activity that requires a degree of silence and solitude. So as well as I think for the vast majority of us, our lives are too busy and too stuffed full with both activities and information to have time to really sit and be with God. And so we're trying to cultivate this kind of slow down Christianity where we create space to be with God. So the end goal is not just to not do certain things with your technology. The end goal is to design a life where you have space in order to enjoy God. Now, the reason we use the terminology parenting technology, so that, that might be a little bit weird terminology for you. Here's the primary reason. Uh, my kids go to bed before I do, and I get up before they do. And that's one of the primary disciplines we want to encourage you guys to use with your technology is to put your phone and all your other sources of technology to bed before you go to bed and to get up before you your technology gets up. So one of the practices I would recommend is just scripture before phone. So the the moments that you wake up are particularly formative in your life for a variety of reasons. And so if you're immediately going to your phone in that moment, um, it, it's, it's going to form you in a way that's largely detrimental. And so uh, one of the things I try to do is just not look at my phone really at all until I've spent time with Jesus in the morning. And it's part of my way of saying to him, hey, this day is for you. It's dedicated to you and you're of first priority. And then putting it to bed at night. And, and honestly, guys, I'm very much still in process. So this one I, I often forget about. But when I do this, it's been really helpful for me. My goal is to just shut my phone off completely by 9 p.m. and to use that as space to be with my family and to be with Jesus. So I want to have kind of some review time at the end of the day to pray through my day, thank God for what he did, become aware of his presence in my day. If I'm on my phone, I'm going to I'm gonna miss out on that time. I, I think some other stuff that I do to try to just create space, I, I don't have hardly any notifications on my phone because I can't think deeply about God or about anything if my phone is constantly trying to get my attention. Uh, and I think there's actually um, a sin underneath of this where we now desire to be limitless. Human beings have always tried to be like God. And I think the way we're currently trying to be like God is by eradicating any of our limits and to be able to be reachable at any point which human beings are not designed to be like that. We are not God. And so I try to embrace my limits by saying, yeah, you actually can't reach me at certain times. And I'm not going to respond to that email immediately. You might text me and I'm not going to respond to that for a couple hours, sometimes a day or two, because I am a limited human being. I need space in my life to be sane and to be with Jesus. So very practically, it's like putting my, my phone to bed before I go to bed, getting up before my phone gets up. It's shutting off notifications. It's checking email at only certain times of the day. And then I've pretty much entirely bailed on social media and the news. I need to come back to the news a little bit so that I'm a little bit more informed. But that the reason I haven't come back is because my life is so much better and I'm so much less anxious when I'm not constantly reading the news that it's hard for me to like re-engage with it. And so that's been a pretty important discipline for me too. Yeah, I want to go back to that idea of 
scripture before phone because I've seen this in my own life. It's like, oh, even if it's not social media, all I'm doing is checking text messages, see if anyone texted me overnight, if there's anything important. I feel like it's back to that I'm trying to be God. For This is for me, Colin, in my own life is I'm rewiring my brain to say, okay, I need to check in on my life before I kind of check my heart and see where my heart is wandering to. And that forms where my heart is wandering to in the morning when I'm saying, okay, are there these messages I need to read or respond to? And then when I go to sit with my Bible, get my time with God, I actually have to rewire my heart every morning and say, okay, this is of primary importance versus doing what's of primary importance first and letting truth be the first thing I consume and then going in with the backdrop of truth going to my phone and saying, okay, are there messages I do need to respond to? Are there things I now need to engage with? Um, after I've first had the opportunity to intake what's true. So I just want to kind of reiterate that and say, that's been really helpful for me and for Rachel in our walk with Jesus. And we're still new at it. We're, st- we still, we're not perfect, but, but it's something we're, we're striving for. And even just want to echo like, oh man, maybe I can like, A, there are ways to limit application usage if you have an iPhone, which you guys should for sure do that. That's super helpful if that's social media for you. Um, but also want to encourage if you feel like, man, there's, I can't get off social media completely. I think my encouragement is there's never going to be a great time to like cut it out of your life. So if you think that's something you should do, like if you feel the spirit as you're listening to this, just being like, Hey, you should maybe do that. Just do it now. Like do it now. It's never going to be the best time to do it. So you might as well do it now and just see, see what God would do with that. See what that space, that freedom of thought would do to, to just your, your joy and your contentment um, and your walk, your walk with him. So Jordan kind of, we're, we're going to wrap up here, but I feel like there's a lot of hesitations to, to parenting technology. It's what if, what if there's an emergency? That's where, that's how I communicate with my friends. Um, I have high school friends that are out of state. Like Instagram is how I keep up with their life or Snapchat or whatever. Um, yeah, how would you address kind of this idea of what if someone needs me or this is how I communicate with my friends that are out of state. How would you address that um, in terms of parenting technology, shutting off your phone, limiting social media? So let me give you maybe a more on the ground response and then a little bit uh, more kind of in the air, bigger picture one. So the more practical one is, I mean, how often do you actually have emergencies like that where someone needs to get in touch with you in that moment immediately. This concept that uh, you have to be available for other people to be able to reach you is a remarkably new concept. And human beings have lived without that ability throughout the rest of history. And so I just want to challenge that fear a little bit and and just say like, I mean, I I have a wife and, and kids. I have people who need me. I've done this and it has never gone catastrophically bad for me. There's also ways that you can get around that. You can put your phone on do not disturb. And if somebody calls you twice in a row, they can get in touch with you, right? So Jessamy just calls me twice in a row because she knows that my phone's on do not disturb almost always. So from a practical perspective, I think this assumption that you always need to be readily available um, 
yeah, it, I, I don't know that it, it actually lands that, that powerfully. I think the other thing I would say practically kind of friends out of town, things like that. Well, I mean, you could just hop on social media like once every two months and get in touch with somebody that you need to. And you could, you could solve that problem. Like there's plenty of, it, there's plenty of things that you could do, um, to kind of solve that. Now, bigger picture. I, I think my sense is, and this might not be exactly true for you. I, I get this as, you know, broad brush or whatever. When I talk to people about this, I think what I'm actually hearing people say with some of these questions that are actually excuses are they're, they're saying something along the lines of I've always lived like this and I'm afraid of not living like this. And it feels weird. It feels weird to not live like this. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not in the Bible. So I am not quoting you a Bible verse. I am not sort of keeping this at scriptural authority. This is my, my pastoral instinct. Okay. Um, but what I want to, what I want to speak back into that excuse is, do you actually think that knowing God is amazing and is worth whatever it costs you? That like Jesus talked about how there's a treasure in a field and a man in his joy goes and sells everything he has to buy the field. Why? Because he's gaining something, not losing something. And I think this is a prime example of that, of you can give up on a little bit of accessibility, a little bit of social relevance to gain time with the God who made you, the lover of your soul, uh, who you claim as a Christian to be Lord of your life and the sole purpose of your life. So if you're going to make a claim like that, but be unwilling to make small changes with your technology... I think you have to ask yourself how serious is your claim to want to know God? Because something like being unwilling to limit your technology to be with God might be exposing something that's true in your heart that you might not actually be as committed to knowing God as you say you are or think you are. And I just want to invite you into it. And if you're not convinced, try this for a month. Significantly limit limit your technology and see if your life is better or worse. Test it. And if you're nervous to do that because you know it's going to be better and so you don't want to go through that test, then, I mean, what are we doing? Like, that that's good enough evidence for you right there. So uh, give it a shot, and I think you're going to find um, it's a better life, in some ways a harder life, because uh, filling yourself up with God is harder than escapism, uh, but it's way better. Guys, I want to reiterate something that Jordan started with, which is, we say all this because we love you and we want you to know the God of the universe and not just know him on a surface level, but know him deeply and let that impact you and the way you live for the rest of your life. So even if you know Jordan, know that that's his heart. I can attest to that because Jordan has shaped me and is shaping me um, in these ways and so many more. Guys, Jordan and I and the rest of the Salt Company staff, we love you a ton and we hope that you take one step in the right direction of parenting technology that you would know and treasure God more. We'll see you guys next week on the Salt Twin Cities podcast.